Hello, it's Monday, February 5th, and welcome to episode 293 of Fault Lines, the National Security Institute's podcast that gets you quickly up to speed three times a week on the national security and foreign policy debates shaking up America. I'm NSI Senior Fellow Morgan Vigna, and I'm joined today by NSI Executive Director Jamil Jaffer, NSI Deputy Executive Director Jessica Jones, and Senior Fellow Wester Munson. This week was a busy one for our Air Force and Navy. It was also the time and Iraq, Syria, and the Red Sea were the place of the Biden administration's choosing when retaliating against the regime in Iran for the attack in Jordan that left three American service members dead and dozens wounded. On Friday, U.S. Central Command conducted airstrikes in Iraq and Syria against Iran's Quds Force and proxy groups. 85 targets were struck. Included were command and control centers, intelligence centers, rockets, missiles, UAV storage facilities, and logistics and munition supply facilities. As of last night, there is no evidence that any members of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard Corps or other Iranian nationals were killed in the strikes. Also this weekend, the U.S. Navy conducted their now regular self-defense strikes downing Houthi UAVs and anti-ship cruise missiles in the Gulf of Aden and the Red Sea. Jamil, I'll start with you. The strikes we saw this weekend packed a bigger punch than previous ones in that there were higher casualty numbers. In his notification to Congress, Biden said, quote, the strikes have been taken to deter the IRGC and affiliated militia groups from conducting or supporting further attacks on the United States personnel and facilities. However, it's not clear whether we were able to knock out anyone of significance or just how critical these targets were to IRGC operations. While SecDef Austin made clear that the U.S. strikes in Iraq and Syria were just the start of our response, what's going on um, and how are we going to get Iran to stop attacking U.S. forces? Well, look, what, what won't work is more of the same, right? We've tried this strategy in the Red Sea, right? We've hit the we've hit the Houthi, the Iran-backed uh, uh, proxy groups over and over again, um, and it hasn't necked down, it hasn't deterred activity in the Red Sea against American warships or against commercial shipping. So we should know better. We should know that hitting targets in Iraq and Syria, even if they're affiliated with the Iranian Revolutionary Guard's Quds Force, is not going to be effective until we actually make Iran feel the pain whether that's directly in Iran itself or taking on senior leadership elsewhere, that's what has to happen if Iran's really going to be deterred effectively from using these proxy groups to do its its bidding in the Middle East. So I fear, unfortunately, while this was a good first step in the right direction, if there is not more response in the very near future, these attacks will only continue, they'll only escalate. And frankly, look, the administration is right to be concerned about a ladder of escalation. The problem is Iran's already escalated. They've been escalating for years and Americans, more American soldiers are likely to die until the administration puts an end to the escalation ladder by escalating in such a way that Iran can't respond without starting a war. And they don't want to start a war. Let's be clear. Iran does not want to war with the United States. But it's a war they would lose. The administration is afraid of its own shadow, won't, won't go at it toe to toe. And that's exactly why Iran sees this as weak and continues to engage in these activities. So, Jess, do you agree with this with Jamil here? I mean, President Biden and, and members of his cabinet have repeatedly towed the line saying that the United States does not want to war with Iran. They don't want to escalate. But we're hitting close to 200 Iranian strikes and, or proxy strikes on the United States. Are we are we at war with Iran here? 
I think, you know, I agree with Jamil. I hate to admit it on a Monday um, with my boss, but I think the Biden administration is trying to be tougher, but not too tough, right? T- to Jamil's point of not wanting to escalate. But I don't, I don't, you know, I don't think anyone thinks this is actually going to deter more, prox- you know, strikes from other Iranian proxies. I think the Biden administration, you know, between Iran, Gaza, Israel, all of these are intertwined. And it seems like they're just trying to get Blinken out there to try to negotiate an end to the Gaza conflict and to see how that changes dynamics on the ground. Like, how long can they keep this, you know, the lid on the pot? to get to the end of the conflict in Gaza and, and hope for that um, before, you know, without having to escalate with Iran. Right. So, Les, we've heard a lot from the administration with respect to um, the ongoing conflict in the Middle East. We haven't heard as much from Congress, although the supplemental does include funding for Israel. And there is a standalone bill, uh, appropriations bill, that includes about $17 billion for Israel in the House side. Um, apart from that, though, President Biden cited the 2001 AUMF and the AUMF against Iraq and his justification for use of military force. We're hearing a lot of like get them from from the House and the Senate, um, but no one is really calling for a new AUMF. Clearly, the president feels that he has the authorities he needs to conduct these strikes. But again, these authorities are about 20 years old. So is it time to pass a new AUMF? Uh, you know, Morgan, I'm I'm going to answer your question, but then divert to something else. I don't think the aid to Israel issue and I don't think the AUMF issue are on point. I'm not saying they're not things we, we could have interesting discussions about. They are. But I don't think they're they're relevant here. I think I think Jones came very close to exactly what's going on here, which is the administration is trying to keep the balls in the air until there's some sort of resolution of of the Gaza war. And whether that's Israeli troops pulling out for a humanitarian pause while prisoners are exchanged or whether it's, you know, some sort of much less likely version of some sort of two state solution with the Palestinians. It's the wrong question, because even if those things are resolved, Iran will remain a menace in the region and will continue to fund proxy groups that are antithetical to U.S. interests and values in the region. So the the real issue here is not Gaza, as the administration is pinning everything to. It's Iran. And will the U.S. return to a maximum economic pressure uh, campaign against the Iranians? This is something where Congress can actually impose its will on the administration. If there's unanimity in Congress, as there has been in the past, on punishing Iran economically, then Congress can change the dynamic and force the administration into a different approach to the entire problem. Maximum economic pressure, Morgan, maximum economic pressure is not going to matter at all. That's a joke. Less things that matters, that's irrelevant. Yes, I think that we should go back to maximum economic pressure. It's not going to deter Iran from what it's doing. It didn't work last time. It's not going to work this time. It's a key part of it, but there has to be direct military action against Iran, and and it's going to happen repeatedly over and over again until Iran stops, because economic pressure just ain't going to do it, unless you're just wrong about that. by the way, I'm not I'm not saying that we shouldn't we shouldn't act militarily in this situation. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying the fundamental issue is something that no one is talking about, particularly the administration. Congress can change that. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I got to say, Les, I, I actually agree with Jamil here. So I, I think generally speaking, Iran's not really going to respond to financial pressure alone. I think that's one small piece of this. What Iran responds to is military strength. Clearly, de- 
diplomacy has not worked. Financial sanctions have not worked. What did work, particularly under the, the Trump administration, which they could have built on further, was whacking Soleimani. So with that, that is a wrap. Thank you to Devlin Burney, Claude Jennings, and NSI staff for their help in producing today's episode. Join us again on Wednesday, February 7th, for our next episode of Fault Lines. Fault Lines is now on YouTube, so check out our channel for a video of today's episode. If you like what you heard, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. 